Welcome to the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast. Welcome to the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast. My name is Finno, the resident Scotsman, and I'm joined by JP and Kevin as we run through this weekend's Premier League games. How are you guys? Oh, good, Finno. Good to be back. Great to have the Premier League back. Good to see you, Kev. Yep, can't wait to get started. So before we get into this weekend's games, I just wanted to say, you know, it was good to have a full weekend of football back, wasn't it? Fantastic, really. And it just, you know, from the start from Arsenal, Fulham up to that cracker at Anfield. And even last night's games were, were pretty juicy too. So yeah, it was, it was a great start. I mean, normally don't, open Premier League day seasons don't always be that exciting. But I think this was this was pretty up there. I mean, you've got to be happy, Kev. Yeah, well, the only thing you can rely on is that Mo Salah is going to score, right? So that was wonderful. Everyone's... <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> but that's it, you know, came back, came back with a vengeance. Or uh, anyone who was writing him off, you know, you just sort of thought, ah, oh, fantastic to see that back. Normal service resumed. Yeah, normal uh, dodgy penalties resumed at Anfield as well, <laughs> as we spoke about last week. Um, yeah, moving on, Saturday's games could be could be just a few juicy ones as well. The big one is Sunday, and that's uh, at Stamford Bridge. Everton kick us off early on Saturday against West Brom at half past one Central European time. Leeds and Fulham from four o'clock. Man United's first game of the season against Palace at half past six. And the inform Arsenal hosts the out-of-form West Ham at 9 p.m. Let's kick off with Everton then. Um, I think I feel a little bit, a little bit kind of big for my boots, I suppose. Having a vindicated, maybe. yeah, vindicated. Vindicated, vindicated is a good word. Um, having picked Everton for being dark horses for this season, um, they looked really good against Tottenham. I think you know Calvert Lewin and Richarlison look like they're going to have a really good partnership up front. Um, James and Alan in the midfield were looking really strong. Um, and what I thought was quite interesting is the way that Ancelotti played Alan. He played him further back, which allowed him to, you know, really organise that defence. Which, you know, when you're looking for European football, that's definitely something that needs to needs to happen. They were great. Everton were great. It was a really interesting game. You can't read too much into it though, because you know, I think Mourinho said himself, you know, there's a long way to go for that Tottenham team, isn't there? I think Tottenham, Everton did really well, and actually, I, I think they're going to do really well against uh, West Brom as well. So I think we're going to see Everton top of the league um, at the end of this. But uh, I wouldn't get too. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. No, they've done well, and the new signings done well as well. And you know, don't uh, dish Tottenham just yet. Remember, there's, there's only one game left, one game gone. Sorry, and <laughs> West Brom. Yeah, nobody really gave them gave them much of a chance. And again, I don't think they have much of a chance on, on, on Saturday. Just came up, haven't really invested. Um, so I think we're, we can all hear at the Irishman, Englishman, Scotsman podcast, we're all going for an Everton win on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt about that. Carlo Ancelotti is going to look like the world's greatest manager by Saturday evening and is going to be reveling in that top of the table. Is there a hint of jealousy in your voice? No, no, Everton no, got no, Ancelotti, no. Kev? No, no, absolutely not. No, I still remember 2005, so... Not so much 2007, but anyway, never mind. No, always happy. <laughs> I think to take it back to West Brom, though, you know, I watched a bit of their game against Leicester. They look every bit a championship team at the moment. <laughs> I know it's only one game in, but, you know, Billich said it in his post-match interviews that as soon as a goal went in, their heads dropped. They didn't seem to believe that they could get a result against Leicester. Um, and yeah, I only see it going one way against Everton. Right, next game up at 4pm on Saturday. Now, these are essential European times for our listeners in Ireland and the UK. Um, Leeds host Fulham. Leeds, wow, what a start to the to the Premier League. Unbelievable. Really got stuck in. 
give Liverpool little respect in Anfield, went at them. Uh, I think Finno said to me earlier on at one stage, they had effectively five up front. An absolute cracker of a game. Probably one of the best opening day football uh, Premier League openers in, in as far as I can remember anyway. Finno. Yeah, I mean, I think Bielsa Ball is here to stay. <laughs> you know, I think the way that they played, the confidence that they had going into somewhere like Anfield, you know, I know a lot of media outlets called it the Champions of England against the Champions of England. Of course, they're very different champions. But um, I think what was interesting is how difficult it was for a team like Liverpool to understand the movement of Bielsa's Leeds team. You know, Calvin Phillips had a ton of space in the midfield um, and he was then able to put them into attacking positions very quickly. There was constantly, as I said, yeah, five people up against the back, three, four, five of Liverpool um, being able to, yeah, really cause some havoc. And you saw that with Van Dijk. I'm just going to run into Bielsa there, uh, Finno. <laughs> I actually did a piece on him uh, for 90 minutes, did a voiceover a while back, and when Leeds were promoted to the Premier League. And the similarity on the stories between Bielsa and and Leeds, how Leeds have had this horror story of two relegations from the Premiership to the Championship down to League One. At the same time, Bielsa, you know, he was knocked out of the group stage uh, at the World Cup in Japan 2002 at Argentina. He lost the Cup of America final to Brazil, uh, resigned. Had this reputation as a loser. He lost two cup finals with Bilbao. Failed at Marseille. He lasted just 48, hour, 48 hours at Lazio. But now at Leeds, people have tried and tried and tried to get Leeds back up and come close and failed. But together they've done it. And I, I really believe that they're onto something special in the sense that they're definitely going to stay up. And they're, they're in the Premier League. They're a big club and then they're here to stay. They're onto something. I don't know whether it's something special. They're onto something absolutely <laughs> baffling. Uh, you said like Liverpool like couldn't understand what they were up to. I don't think Leeds could understand what they were. I don't think anyone can understand what they were up to. Shout out to my old friends and colleague Brian Homewood, who spent half of his career trying to follow Bielsa and trying to understand what he was saying in press conferences. I don't know. You know, I I enjoyed watching them. It was fun, of course. Don't, they gave the ball away all the time to Liverpool if they continue giving the ball away all the time this is going to be a really hard season for them yeah they might score a lot of goals I you know honestly credit to them power to them it was fun they, they look like they're going to be a roller coaster of a team this season but look you know Liverpool's best player clearly in that game Salah you know most other teams would think mm, do you know what we should do we should probably stop letting Salah have the ball not Leeds United. It was like, Mo, do you want the ball again? Uh, something like Mo Salah had 21 touches in the penalty area or 22 touches in the penalty area. It was absolutely absurd. I think I think they're in for a tricky season. Are, are the Liverpool defence in for a tricky season? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Leeds come up from the Championship and they've banged in three goals. Could have got more at Anfield. The home yeah. of the champions. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we maybe we'll get into that a bit later. Liverpool's defence. Anyone who wants to look at the stats, you'll see that it's been a bit of a disaster lately. Uh, I think that's fair to say. But no, look... Leeds, fantastic to have them back. It was fun against. They've got one of the most fun, one of the most immeasurably enjoyable uh, managers. They've got a terrific story. They've got a goalkeeper who looks like he's about 14 years old. They've got a succession of top-knotted man-bun defenders who just give the ball away most of the time. Honestly, fantastic. 10 out of 10. <laughs> glad, you, glad you liked it, Kev. Man United against Palace. Man United's first game of the season. They've only signed Donny van der Beek. <laughs> Bit of pressure on them both to, to win on Saturday and get off the board. Also in the transfer market to invest. Uh, Palace won and they looked they looked okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that was maybe my... I don't want to say shock of the, the <laughs> first weekend, but I really didn't expect Crystal Palace to get away with such a strong performance against Southampton. Um, 
I don't know what to expect with Man United this season. Um, you know, having seen them lose to Aston Villa in their final preseason game, you really just don't know it. They seem to be a bit of an unknown quantity. Do they need to go in? You know, there's all these rumours on social media about Sancho coming this week. Mm. There seems to be a lot of mixed messages happening. Um, I definitely think they need to reinvest, but I really just have no idea what to expect from Man United. Again, isn't that fantastic? It's like, no one has got any idea. You know, we talked last week about, you know, they've got a lot of things going for them. I think they're going to score a lot of goals. You know, they've got all this going forward. Um, there's been more transfer talk this week, hasn't there, about the, uh, not just Gareth Bale, but about the uh, Real Madrid left-back, right? Uh, Reguillon, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he was the guy who was at Seville, mm-hmm. at Seville last season, right? And had that amazing uh, Europa League performance and so on. And again, you know, I, I just think no one knows what to expect. You know, they could have three new players or something like that by the time the game takes place, which would be amazing. I think they'll do. I think they'll do fine. I think they'll be good. I, I really liked them in the second half of last season. Scored loads of goals. Very creative going forward. They're at home to Crystal Palace. Why won't they win? I mean, strong, strong favourites. But just maybe, yeah. All this talk about um, all this talk about uh, new players coming in and stuff is probably not the best for them. I think they are definitely going to invest, though. I mean, they, they surely will. If, like we spoke last week about the forward options and maybe something with an alternative style. Gareth Bale is it's 31. He wants to leave Real Madrid. Uh, like the Sancho Staga, is, it's carrying on a little bit too long now. But I, I believe Man United will be in for players. Saying that, opening game of the season, Saturday, uh, Saturday evening, half past six Central European time, I fancy United to, to win. You can bet your bottom dollar that if they don't win, that the fans will be out in force. You know, whether they're calling for Olga and Solskjaer's head or not, I think they're really expecting a win, uh, a win come Saturday evening. Funny comment before last week's Palace game, and Roy Hodgson came out and he said, I'm really surprised that nobody has come in for Will Saha. He was good, wasn't he? He was, he was very good. Think yeah. He was good against he was good. I thought again. I think we mentioned last week, you know, if they lose him, they're going to be in a bit of trouble. I think, but while they keep him, um, you know, he's, he's going to trouble a lot of teams. Yeah, he's such a presence, and he gives your defenders a break. All we're the time. we're in a we're in a weird situation though. I think with Premier League teams, especially those teams that are down the bottom of the bottom end of the table, is that you know they might have that one or those one or two standout players, but they're immeasurably important for those teams. And so when a bigger team comes in, the valuations are just so far out. You know, if somebody tried to come in for a Zaha. You know, if you're Crystal Palace, you're not wanting anything, you know, you're not wanting anything below tens of millions of pounds. Yeah. Is a top four team, a top six team, first of all, is he going to improve your team that much? Um, and second of all, are you going to get the production out of him? Is he also a big fish in a small pond? I would say so. You if know. if I'm to be completely honest, I would say so. I think he's, you saw it with Man United. You know, I think he struggled to adapt there and okay, he was in a basket case situation, but... Yeah, I think I think Wilfred Zaha is, is a great player on his on his day. Um I wouldn't say a world class player on his day, but I think he's definitely someone that could help teams further up the table. Um but I think he's just he's not he's not valuable enough to those teams. Okay, one other question. Who plays in goal for Manchester United in that game? David De Gea all day long. No, shouldn't. No, I mean like the shouldn't have. He probably does. I think you're right, but he pro- I don't think he should. Yeah, I agree. I think De Gea will. I don't know if he should. <laughs> I think he will. It's got to do with money and appearances, and we know that. And I think his long, long-term successor is already there. The guy who will play in the League Cup and the FA Cup games is already there. They've signed him, but I think David De Gea will be starting on, on Saturday. But you've seen at Arsenal, you've seen that two goalkeeper 
stable not really work and you've now seen Martinez go to I think it was Aston Villa um, he's gone out to make first team appearances because he's been there he's been at Arsenal for 10 years I wouldn't like to be in that position where you lose Henderson to you know a, a Premier League team because he needs first team starts um, and you still have a De Gea that is somewhat out of sorts I, th- I think it's more than somewhat to be honest maybe he'll come in maybe he'll have a great game De Gea but I think they've got an outstanding Premier League goalkeeper in Henderson I think he needs to have the balls to just say, "Look, I'm going to play him. I've got that. He's my number one goalkeeper." And and you never know. Don't 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 rule it out. This that would be quite a statement at the start of the season. Love to see it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And Wilf Saha returns to Old Trafford Saturday evening at half past six as Man United take on Palace. The evening game very interesting indeed. Arsenal against West Ham. Arsenal were very impressive against Fulham. And I don't want to ring my own bell, but I did crow about William last uh, week and how. A shock it was that Chelsea let him go. Willian was man of the match, three uh, 0 to Arsenal. He had a hand in all the, the goals, uh, especially the third where he put this amazing diagonal ball across the pitch for uh, Aubameyang, who banged it in. Was from- that was that the one that was basically the carbon copy? <clears throat> the one he scored against Liverpool. Against Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of an Henri esque style where he just kind of gets the ball twenty yards and goal on the left wing, dips the shoulder, cuts in, and bends into the top corner. But the ball to him was was super ball. Willian also hit the the post with a free kick. He was really inventive, a lot of energy. Um, best player on, on the pitch and, and Chelsea let him go West Ham on the other hand I'll go into that later on you know, with uh, Newcastle West Ham but just I, I thought they were absolutely brutal they lacked any sort of invention creativity blunt up front and they really lacked uh, ideas yeah I have the fear of God struck into <laughs> me about West Ham against Arsenal um, they played exceptionally well against Fulham Newcastle we made Newcastle look like a really good Premier League team, and I think if we were really, if we were really, and that, that, <laughs> t- that takes a lot of doing. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, you God. know, um, we we didn't look good um, on Saturday night. It was it wasn't a great message to send out in the first game of your season to lose two 0 in the in the manner that we lost. You know, if we, as you said, we were blunt up front. If we'd actually created opportunities and you know caused some problems. Then I can understand, you know, losing two 0 a couple of goals, it is what it is. But I, yeah, I really, I really fear for West Ham. I, I seen a funny tweet from a West Ham fan uh, during the week, and he said, "You know, West Ham are the only team not to to sign a player, and we make Mike Ashley look like the world's most generous chairman." <laughs> Which I it's was, true. Was it's true. Funny. And you see, like the fans, the fans were out in force at a protest before the game on Saturday night because they're looking for investment. They need investment. That team is screaming out for it. We saw it again with Aaron Cresswell at fault for the second goal, in my opinion. Um, we're screaming out for money to be invested in this squad, and it's just not forthcoming. And I really do fear that a cut price deal will be done for Declan Rice, and that will be used as you know, cover money for a couple of mid-tier players um, to bring West Ham into the battle for 17th rather than going straight down. I think it's going to be interesting, that game, though. You know, we don't know yet. We don't know how good Arsenal are. We don't know how bad West Ham are. (laughs) I suspect that one is very good and one is very, very, very bad indeed. Um, but yeah, Arsenal, Arsenal to get another win, I think, and be vying there with uh, with Everton at the top of the table by Saturday night. I would have thought. I think Arsenal are a team in form, and they're running into, like I said last week, it didn't feel like the season really ended because it's not that long ago they won the FA Cup, they won the Community Shield, they've kind of kept this momentum going. 
they looked really good uh, against Fulham, I have to say. Fulham were, were awful, but yeah, I think we'll all agree they'll, they'll beat West Ham comfortably. Yeah, I think, you know, they're also going to be buzzing off of the fact that Aubameyang signed his contract extension. Yeah. Um, I think that that's a bigger deal to Arsenal fans than a lot of media outlets are maybe giving it credit for. I do think that that three-year contract is as good as having a new signing. Um, I just hope that he's misfiring on, on the weekends for West Ham's sake. It's certainly going to make him very rich indeed. <laughs> I agree. Bama Yang is uh, one of the hottest strikers in the world at the minute. Um, that's the Saturday games. Sunday, uh, Southampton hosts Tottenham at 1pm. Uh, the big one at St. James's Park at 3pm as Newcastle take on Brighton. <laughs> Newcastle look to push up back to the top of the league. Uh, later on then, we have the uh, Europa League hopefuls as Chelsea take on Liverpool at the bridge <laughs> half past five. And the evening game at 8 o'clock is Leicester against Burnley. Southampton, Tottenham, don't know what to expect in this one. Honestly, I haven't got a clue. Yeah, I mean, we saw Tottenham, we saw Southampton. I don't think either of those teams will be going into this weekend thinking that they can play as poorly as they did. Um, I would expect the quality to shine through from Tottenham's team um, and see a Tottenham victory, but Mourinho's Tottenham team, you just never know. I, I don't know either. I mean... I was talking to a friend of mine who's a big Southampton fan and he was saying it was a huge wake-up call for them because they went into the season, everyone really positive. Everyone thinking this was going to be like a really good start to the season for them and to have that result in the first game and just to have the wind knocked out of you in the way that it was of just like not offering anything at all really. So it's going to be quite a bit of pressure on them. I think it's, the, you know, I know the fans are not there but still first home game of the season. Um, they've got a lot to do. And Tottenham, they're not, you know, are they ever fit? You know, yeah. uh, you know, Mourinho sort of saying they weren't pressing, they were a bit lazy and so on. Uh, you know, uh, is he ever going to feel a, a, a team that feels like it is going to press to their full extent, that is really fit, that is really there and going for it? I thought they were outworked by Everton. Interesting enough, this, this week leading up to this game as well, uh, news has come out that Tottenham are interested in, in buying Danny Ings from Southampton. That would be a huge blow to Southampton. I mean, you know, that guy basically kept him up last season. I don't know how many. Does he have 20, over 20 goals? Does I think he... I, th- I think that's that's really funny that they would go for a play like that. I, I really like Danny Ings. Yeah. I, I, I think he's a real honest striker and that's and that's not being fair to him because he's, he's good, he's skillful, but he's the player who, even if he's not playing very well, is just always going to be there in that 90th minute or 94th minute. Right place, right minute. time, yeah. He's always going to, maybe he doesn't score, but he's always just showing for it. Do you know what I mean? And I think, wow. I, I hope Saints keep him, actually. I, I, I'd be a bit sad, actually, if he went to Tottenham, but I think he might do him a bit of good because it, if nothing else for the attitude. De Bruyne called him his player of the season. I think he even voted for him during uh-huh. the, the award season. So I think that shows how highly respected he is in his profession. He maybe doesn't get the same love yeah. from the media and from the fans, but I really like that. I really think that Danny Ings would be a perfect perfect fit for Tottenham, and I think he he epitomises that hard-working effortful player that Mourinho craves and you really see that with players like Deli Ali who you know fail to track back a little bit you see it in the the all or nothing Amazon uh, series like they're screaming for their players and their midfield players to track back and they just don't you'll never have that issue with Danny Ings. Very good point for now I'd love to see that those heat maps of you know how much uh, Danny Ings did compared to his polar opposite in Deli Ali last season. <laughs> what sort of money are you talking about for a player like Ings now? Well, he's English, so once he plays with the national team and puts another 10, 15 million on him, regardless of how good he is or how bad he is, that, that's how the Premier League goes. Um, I think you're looking, I mean, if you got 22, 20 plus goals last season, you're looking 
probably around the 40, 30, 40, 50 million bracket. But I mean, you know, if it goes in, if, if Tottenham, for example, don't win this game and then there's a bit of pressure from the board, on the board to, to sign players and, it, you know, Ings maybe scores, for example, it puts another couple of million on. So I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if, if he does go and if it is, you know, in and around that 40 million pound bracket. Goes back to that valuation of the player from lower teams to higher teams. You know, mm-hmm. is he worth 30, 40 million to a Tottenham? But he's definitely worth that to Southampton. He, you know, if the goals go, Southampton all of a sudden become favourites to go down, in my opinion. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how that transpires as the window starts to close in a few weeks' time. We shall see. And then the next game up at four o'clock on Sunday is the mighty Newcastle United against Brighton. Newcastle, last uh, week I spoke about, had signed the Irishman, the Englishman and the Scotsman. <laughs> the game against West Ham was about an Irishman, Englishman and a Scotsman. Jeff Hendrick, uh, Callum Wilson made their debuts. Uh, the Scotsman, Ryan Fraser, didn't. There was a Scotsman on the bench at West Ham, though, in the coach and David Moyes, and he must have been furious with the lack of effort that West Ham showed. Wilson was bright, inventive. Steve Bruce, to his credit, he's pushed Jeff Hendrick in a more of a kind of a forward role, um, kind of a, like a false number 10. And he was really inventive. He set up the goal with a clever a clever flick of his head for Wilson, who got in ahead of the... Uh, the West Ham goalkeeper scored an absolute cracker with a few minutes to go. Andy Carroll lost five kilos. <laughs> uh, he, he lost about five years on him as well. He was brilliant. Uh, Joe Linton came on there at the end. Very positive things happening at Newcastle. Jamal Lewis, a left back, had a great debut. And I'm, I, I put uh, half my house on them beating Brighton on, on Saturday. Having watched it from a West Ham perspective um, at the weekend, yeah, I felt that Newcastle were bright. They were energetic. Um completely the opposite of, of West Ham. Um, I think Brighton will be a, an interesting test. They definitely struggled at times against Chelsea last night or on Monday night. And it will be interesting to see how they set up going against, you know, a team like Newcastle versus a team like Chelsea. They've also lost um, Shane Duffy to Celtic on loan for the season. They were very big, strong and physical at the back. Newcastle are very big and, and strong and physical up front with options like Carroll and Joe Linton. But I have to mention John Joe Selby because mm-hmm. the guy got so much stick in the last couple of years. He's so different to anybody else in the Premier League where he looks like he's he's strolling around the pitch and being so lazy. He's so comfortable on the ball. His awareness is unbelievable. And his passing range sometimes can be reminiscent of, of David Beckham. I think... Uh... I think I'm going to break my record now by referring to three former Liverpool players in the same sentence. <laughs> oh <dear>. oh <laughs> no, 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 but no, you've all, you've all picked them out. But yeah, Carol Carol was was great. Uh, Carol was that player who I think is just terrifying to defences. That no one wants to play against him when he's like that. And if he stays fit, you know, I think almost anything is possible for him. But that if is doing a lot of work in that sentence. And I don't know if he can stay fit for an entire season, but oh my God, he always put the fear of God into defenders when he was that, when he was looking like that. Yeah, some of the songs on the terraces uh, before he, he left for Liverpool were um, he's, big, he's big, he's strong, he'll break your jaw, Andy Carroll. Um, yeah, an absolute monster. But he was signed on, on, a, on a basically a year contract, pay-as-you-play deal um, by Steve Bruce, which is very, very uh, clever business by Newcastle. And he really he's he's uh, he's given his heart and his soul for the club now. So I think it's it's a huge option for for Newcastle for the season. Uh, next up is the game of the weekend at Stamford Bridge, half past six Central European time. Chelsea with all their money against the champions Liverpool. This should be a cracker, a real test really of uh, see how far Chelsea have come and let's see how good that Liverpool defence really is. 
Yeah, I mean, it was a brilliant game last season, uh, to be honest, and uh, which was also quite early in the season, I think. Mm-hmm. And when Liverpool won that one, I think it was, you know, a demonstration of what all the things we talked about, right? That Liverpool just were able to find a way uh, to win uh, against almost anyone uh, last season. And I think this is the big test, right? Because Chelsea are better, Liverpool are not better. And arguably some of that aura of, you know, defensive stability has, has worn off. I think I think it's a great chance for Chelsea. I think they'll be annoyed that they don't have the fans in the ground. I think uh, Salah will really enjoy playing at that ground without the fans. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure on that Liverpool defence, as you say. I think it's really funny that um, Alisson suddenly looks like... I can't remember the last time he made a save. Um I think it's 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 a difficult moment for Liverpool. But having said that, let's go back to the thing I would say. Something about this Liverpool fans, this Liverpool team, on the pitch, they find a way to get the job done. And again, that leads lots of things wrong with that leads thing. Lots of mistakes, um, lots of wild decision making going on. I think within the players, but within the end, they managed to um, you know they managed to get the job done. And I think there's so much to admire about Chelsea. There's, they've spent spent a lot of money. They've spent you know well. I think I think they've bought the sort of players that anyone would love to have. But I've got just one concern about that Chelsea team, and I think they don't have the sort of goalkeeper who's going to win them the league. And I think it's going to be an interesting game. I think you know 50-50. You wouldn't be surprised if it's a draw. You wouldn't be surprised if it's a high-scoring draw. I think anyone you know honestly anyone can take that game. But I think unless and until. Chelsea have got a better goalkeeper than Kepa or somehow managed to coax better performance out of him. Whatever happens at this weekend, I'm not quite going to believe that they're going to win the league. You're spot on with the goalkeeper assertion. Um, it's no it's no surprise that Chelsea are on the lookout for a keeper. I watched them, yeah, I watched them play Brighton and I didn't feel confident really at any time with, you know, even them, you know, they went, they were 2-1 up and you then felt, okay, cool, maybe they can really, you know, push forward. It was interesting. They look like a team that is newly put together. So I think probably from Liverpool's perspective, they're going, this is the best time to play this Chelsea team. And the Chelsea team are also probably going, this is the best time to play Liverpool. Those mistakes, I think of Van Dijk's mistake in particular, will have been shown multiple times in analysis sessions over this week. I see probably a marked improvement of the Liverpool team um, from last week to this week. If I was a betting man, I would put it on the draw though. I see a lot of goals in this one, and yeah, I'm glad you brought up Van Dijk. You spoke earlier on Kev about Allison, and he can't seem to to make a save. I mean, is there also a possibility that Van Dijk is not the player he was last season? Uh, interesting how Klopp had a go at Chelsea's transfer policy, saying that we don't have the money they do. Frank Lampard has responded. Of course, I mean Liverpool went out and spent enough money to buy Cuba in Allison and, and Van Dijk, <laughs> and and won the league. And Chelsea, you know, didn't sign a year or two now, really signing many players at all. They splashed the cash. I, it's Really, I think it's going to be a cracker. I think it could be one of these five, another another seven goal thriller. But I, I don't think that Chelsea will make do the, make the mistakes that that Leeds did, and I no. see them beating Liverpool by a goal or two in a high scoring thriller. Um, I think you might, I think you might be right. But I, I, and the only thing I'd say about the the spending money is, it's absolutely true that Liverpool went. And we talked about this last week. Like, you know, Liverpool went out and spent all the money they felt they had to do on the players that they needed. Of course, you can talk about they also sold Coutinho and made most of the money back, or yeah. whatever. But it almost doesn't matter. I think the difference between the two teams is Chelsea can afford to make a mistake and Liverpool can't. Liverpool don't have the money to make... And, and I think when you see the tentativeness 
in the transfer window. Maybe it comes back to Cater. You know, Cater is probably the one, you know, big big money, you know, signing that hasn't quite worked out. Every Liverpool fan still wants Cater to work out, and he started at the weekend. But but you know, I can't remember how much it was, but fifty million euros, say something like that. And he's he's the one that maybe hasn't justified that um, that amount of money. I think Chelsea can make mistakes. Chelsea can sign four or five 50 million players and if one or two of them work out, you know, that's absolutely fine. If they don't, they can afford to take a loss. So I think that's the only difference and I think that's why Klopp makes those points. It's, it's, he would love to have spent, I'm sure he would have loved to have signed Werner. I'm, I'm sure he absolutely would have loved to but with the COVID situation or whatever, the, 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 the dip in income, they, the club felt they couldn't because they couldn't take that risk because it wasn't 100% nailed on and I think that's that's the thing that, that's, that slightly frustrates Klopp when it comes to the transfer market. I think you see it with with Chelsea. Pulisic wasn't even in the in the squad against Brighton. That level of strength in terms of the depth that they have, being able to keep a player like that in reserve is is monumental in mounting a challenge for the for the title. Whether or not Liverpool have a, a more cohesive unit, um, it remains to be seen going forwards. Um I would, yeah. I think it's going to be a draw. I think that these are the two teams that are going to be fighting it out for the for the title. Man City, Finno. I've said I said last week, and I think I'll continue to do this. I mean, they've not played yet, so I can't say. But um, I think their focus is going to be on the Champions League. I can't see it. I can't see it drifting. Look, they're always going to be competitive. I think they're going to be guaranteed top four. They'll be in and around the conversation. Um, I just I think that the Champions League is that is that elephant in the room um, at the Etihad. Chelsea Liverpool half past six Saturday billed as the big game of the weekend. Let's hope it lives up to the billing. Leicester host Burnley in the evening game on Sunday at nine o'clock. Leicester business as usual. Vardy two goals three nil winners. Burnley it looks like they might lose Tarkowski uh, to West Ham. Or whether that's going to happen. I mean he's an England centre half and you know it'll be interesting. West Ham do need a defender. Leicester though. Uh, without you know going over the top, I mean I think they're going to be in the top five or six again. Yeah, they look strong. Um, they looked as if they didn't come out of first gear against West Brom. And as I mentioned when we were talking about Bilic's side, they they dropped their heads after the first goal went in. And when you have a player like Vardy up top, I think over the over the weekend he equaled Drogba's goals in forty fewer games. That's a phenomenal record. That's a crazy stat. Um, you know, we we hold Drogba up as this you know striking god in terms of the Premier League up there with a Thierry Henry. Is it because then Vardy just is English that he doesn't get the recognition that you know yeah, a Drogba or Henry gets, or is I, it when I think about Drogba also I think about you know he he missed a penalty in the Champions League final I think against Man United, and he's the one that pulled them back from the grave in Munich against Bayern in that Champions League final, banged in that header and they won the penalty shootout. You know, he, he scored the winner, I think. And that's the job for me. I mean, at Marseille, they beat Newcastle in the UEFA Cup this season before he signed for Chelsea. And I just thought, wow, this guy is scary. Newcastle were linking him for a while, but of course he went to Chelsea and won everything in front of him. Um, wait, okay, goals, ratios, but I mean, they're, they're very different players. Vardy has been phenomenal and there'll be a movie made about him what he's done coming through the, the leagues and I tell you what if they make a movie about it that'll be a really boring movie <laughs> <laughs> I just don't believe that Vardy gets the recognition that he he deserves you know okay he's not won the trophies that a Drogba has or an Henri has but you know neither did Alan Shearer at Newcastle okay he won the Premier League at, at Blackburn but you know, we we hold Shearer up as a Premier League legend, and rightly so. I just don't He's believe the all-time scorer. In the but I just League. don't believe that Vardy right now gets the recognition that he deserves of being so lethal. So that's you know he holds the number of consecutive Premier League goals records. You know he's now 
amongst you know quite estab or esteemed guests in terms of uh, or esteemed company sorry in terms of goal scoring um i think you know he's also one of those players where if leicester were to lose him for any period of time where are those goals going to come from a big bonus for leicester as well is that they haven't sold madison yeah. uh, a lot of people thought he would have been off to to man united or to chelsea but he's staying it looks like he's staying him and vardy up there so they'll be they'll be a threat uh, them and wolves i think to the, to the top four and then you know, obviously Tottenham and Arsenal in around by the end of the season, but Leicester will, will quietly go about their business, and uh, yeah, I think they'll be sitting on six points at the end of Sunday night. Monday night's Are we game. sitting on six sorry. points? Six points? Well, it must be less than more than six points, yeah. <laughs> Did they win the first game? They're not going to drink as much as six points, JP. Jamie Vardy actually was famous for drinking Blue Wicked out in Marbella, so yeah. Um, six points, should I say, so. six points. Uh, six points, mate, yeah. So I think Leicester will be top uh, along with a few other teams on Sunday night. Monday night's games are very interesting. Aston Villa hosts Sheffield United at 7 o'clock um, and Wolves against Man City in, for me, which is the second biggest game of the weekend at quarter past nine on Monday night. Aston Villa just confirmed in the last few hours that Jack Grealish yeah. has signed a five-year contract. He's staying. Huge boost for the club. Um, Sheffield United, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to know what's going to happen with them this season. I think they'll give everything. They'll fight hard and they'll stay up, but... Whether they'll uh, be as close as they were with uh, you know the last few months to go, I, I don't know. Um, no, presu- you know, presumably not, right? I mean, you know, let's see how the new goalkeeper does. Um, there's a lot of talk about them trying to get uh, Ryan Brewster on loan or even buying Ryan Brewster within the next week or so. So you never know. Um, but no, I mean that's uh, Villa. Villa that boost of getting Grealish on that new contract, and suddenly mm-hmm. you know you look at that. They look like they've got a decent core of players now um, who might just do something. You know, you never know. John McGinn as well there in the midfield, Scottish internationalist. I know Hibs fans ranted and raved about him um, before he went down to Aston Villa. He was also the subject of some interest from the top four. You know, when it looked like Aston Villa might go down last season. Um, you know, all engine. You know, constantly in your face. I think Aston Villa are looking better maybe than they did 12 months ago. And definitely that, you know, that contract, that um, security that they have around Jack Grealish, whether or not he goes or not, you know, in terms of um, uh, a team coming in for him, at least they then get top dollar for him. Yeah, that's a that's a security having that five-year deal signed because, like you said, Finno, he's, he's definitely worth a lot more now. Uh, I think we all agree that the Villa should have enough to stay off. Huge game at... Uh, Wolves against Manchester City, quarter past nine, Monday night. Wolves, very, very dangerous team for anybody, um, especially on their own patch. They've invested well. City haven't really invested, the, you know, that not the, the the City measurements we'd expect. They've signed Torres from Valencia. David Silva's gone. Um, I think this could be another high-scoring cracker, lads. Yeah, you know, Wolves played some lovely football at the weekend. Um, their first goal was some amazing counter-attacking football, really well taken from Raul Jimenez. Um, it was great to see against, you know, that kind of stubborn Sheffield United defence. Um, and it's amazing what shrewd investment can do. You know, we're we're talking about huge sums of money for certain players in the Premier League. You know, Wolves haven't spent a ton of money. You know, their record signing is, what, $35 million for Fabio Silva. Um, they've definitely plundered the, the Portuguese market. Um, I wonder whether or not Raul Jimenez could be a player that maybe a Man United look like uh, look after, or um, you know, a top four team goes after. You know, he scored nearly thirty goals last season. He looks to have started this this season the same way he finished last season. He's another one of those players that might be a you know a forty fifty million pound player come January. 
just looking forward to to, uh, to seeing Man City play again. To be honest, I mean they haven't played since that terrible, terrible disappointment, you mm. know, in the Champions League. You know, Champions League, Champions League tournament that was that was there to win. You know, yep. um, or at least to get to the final. I don't think any of us can believe they didn't get to the final. Um, I'm not sure what the date of that was. A month ago, basically yeah, a month. So roughly. four weeks or whatever. That's not as much time as you normally get. Um, they've got to come back and to be faced with Wolves away. You know, and they don't have that easier start to the season, Man City. I was banging on about the fact that Liverpool have got Leeds, um, Arsenal and Chelsea in their first three games. I think Man City have got that really nasty away game at Wolves. Then they're playing Leicester. Then they're playing Leeds. So this is not an easy start for them as well. And I was thinking, well, Liverpool might have one point after three games. All right, it's going to be better than that, no matter what. But Man City might very well not have nine points after those three games and might suddenly find themselves well. And, and, and certainly a club like Arsenal might, you know, some of those teams that have started really well. So again, it might not be a great start to the season. It's hard to pick themselves up. I still think it will be hard for them to pick themselves up after that colossal disappointment. It's a weird one. You know, we we look at Man City versus Wolves and yes, on paper, you would assume that there's a safe Man City win here. But, you know, Espirito Santo has that Wolves team playing some phenomenal football. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really hope that we start to see that in the bigger games as well, you know, against Man City. You know, it's back and forth, you know, to and fro. I still kind of back myself that Man City will be, will be all in on the Champions League. And as you say, that... that tough start to the season might even be the catalyst for focusing on the Champions League you know if they don't get nine points out of their first three games the fans are going to be looking going well there's no way that we're going to be able to catch potentially a Liverpool on nine points or Arsenal I'll slightly disagree with you there Fino I don't think the Champions League uh, starts in September (laughs) and uh, I think they're going to be very sore how they lost the title to Liverpool last season and I think they're gonna they're gonna go for it, and Guardiola will will certainly be up for it. Uh, I fancy City in a cracker by a couple of, by the odd goal. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you actually. I think it'll be a really good game. I think I, I think it's tough for City, but you know, but I think they will rise to the challenge. Don't get me wrong. I think I think they're a great manager, a great team, and I think I think they will be a bit too good for. I'd see goals. Yeah. I would see goals. Yeah. Interesting news just in, guys. Uh, the Spanish media are reporting that uh, Gareth Bale's. Shirt has been removed from the, the club shop. There's no pictures of him uh, on their social media feed. He's not training. He's come back from international duty with a knee injury. He's costing the club 500 to 600 grand a week on wages, which is absolutely bonkers. I know he's 31, but uh, if Man United don't win against uh, Palace on the weekend, I mean, if they don't get Sancho, surely there's someone he's someone they could, they could look to. It's a bit of a punt, isn't it? I mean... Man United have not always fared well when they've sharked in and bought a player on massive wages to make a point. Um, hopefully, this isn't to make a point. <laughs> this would just be because they they feel they can get like a good season out of him. But yeah, it's it's funny when you put, when you play with fire in terms of their wages. If they've really got to shell out half a million a week or something like that, um, the long term effects of that can sometimes not be good. But you know, loved. I, it, all honesty, love to see Bale back in the Premier League. Love to see Bale. I always said would have loved to have seen Bale play for Liverpool for that matter. So, you know, it'd be fantastic uh, to see him back. But yeah, a bit of a punt in terms of just paying that colossal amount of money on the wages. And they've had their fingers burnt by Sanchez as well. You know, that was not that quantum of of wages, but certainly close to it. I do wonder though whether or not if if Bale did come back to England, whether it was a Man United or even a Tottenham, um, whether or not we would see a completely different player than the one that we've seen in Spain the last yeah. couple of seasons. Yeah, I, I think it's hard to turn it back on though. Uh, in terms of the skill, yeah, you know, 
he he's got everything of course you know he's one of the great players and he got bigger you know physically he looks completely different you know from when he from when he turns up at real madrid he looks like a you know he looks like a, a, an incredible athlete as well but you know the whole joke about about um wales golf and then real madrid you know, yeah. which he played up to a lot. I, can you turn the attitude, just bang straight back on? Well, I think there's another factor. Again? There's another factor, Kev, sorry, that we're missing. He's got everything, but unlike us, he, he hasn't got language skills. <laughs> the guy's scared. He can't speak Spanish. And I think if you're 31, you're Gareth Bale, you, you're a millionaire, you can retire. Um, I think he'd take a pay cut to come back to, to the UK. He's, he's a British boy. He's Welsh. He speaks English. He knows the food, the culture, everything else. The league. Um, he knows the league, yeah. I mean, look, for me, he'll always go down as that, that iconic, I mean, the, the Inter Milan hat-trick in the Champions League mm-hmm. for Tottenham. The overhead kick against Liverpool in the final of the Champions League was a great goal, you know. Super, absolute superstar. There was one moment for Real Madrid where he basically knocked the ball past a, a Barcelona defender, I think in the Copa del Rey, Copa, Copa del Rey yeah, the yeah, final. Yeah. Ran, ran off the pitch, then ran back on, got the yeah. ball, and ran to the length of the field and scored a goal. Amazing talent. Obviously not happy. They don't want him. He wants to go. You know, I think Man United is, is the place for him. If they don't um, beat Palace, like I said, or even if they do, a bit of pressure on them not to sign anybody else apart from Donny van der Beek. Marquis signing would also give them another option apart from Martial and Rashford up front. If you were a Man United fan, would you take Gareth Bale instead of Jadon Sancho? Yeah, I think you would, honestly. I mean, it's not as exciting in a way, but it's just, it's like, if you're a fan... I just think it'd be it'd be pretty cool just to see him for it. Of course, yeah, it depends. Like, it, what I mean is, if if you get your preferences, you'd probably take Sancho. But if you can't have Sancho, yeah. what I mean is, you probably, would you take Bale? And yeah, I would say you would. Yeah, Gareth Bale would definitely give you an option. I think short term, definitely Sancho. You know, it might take him a while to settle in, but long term, he be he could be there for ten years. He's a great talent as well. He could be the new Gareth Bale. Who knows? Either way, lots of excitement ahead uh, this weekend. Some cracking games. We've picked out Chelsea-Liverpool on Saturday at half past five uh, as our game of the weekend and they closely followed by Wolves and Man City Monday night at quarter past nine. Uh, anything else you'd like to add, guys? The only thing I'd like to say is I've heard a rumour, JP, that we might be having a special guest on a phone-in next week. Any 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 truth in that? There is hint of it. There's rumours on Twitter. There's rumours on um, on, on Spanish uh, social media. That is that's, a- that's where I saw it. I think, uh, Spanish Twitter is wild about this for next week. <laughs> it's wild. So, also Chinese Twitter too. Yeah, so, so maybe just keep your ears open because we may have something really special to announce next week. That's a nice you know, call to action. Make sure that you, you follow and subscribe everywhere on the internet in, in anticipation of this phone-in. Yeah, if you're listening on YouTube, guys, please uh, hit that red button, subscribe and like. Uh, likewise, like on Twitter and follow and the same on Facebook. Uh, thanks a million for listening to us again. Another good show. Uh, Kev, thanks for coming. Yeah, pleasure as always. Fino. Yeah, thanks again. Right, guys, this has been the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast. Uh, we will chat to you again next Tuesday. Have a great week and enjoy the football.